Not everything we're hearing about heaven these days is correct. Pastor Ed Ray contrasts the truth with error next. Well, everybody gets to go to heaven. No. Well, if you're good enough, you'll go to heaven. No. Only 144,000 will go to heaven. No. Well, if I go to purgatory, then grandma can pray me out of it. No. Your only hope, my only hope, is God's grace. God, forgive my sins. Take my life. I will serve you. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, God will dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. A failing marriage, the loss of a job, a rebellious son or daughter refusing to abide by the rules of the house, sickness, and the loss of a loved one. You know, throughout life, there are many things that can so easily bring us down, but it's at that time that we need to look up. In John chapter 14, the disciples were greatly troubled and it's interesting to see where Jesus directs them, right on up to their future home in heaven. Let's seek to apply these comforting words to our lives by joining Pastor Ed Ray. We're talking about heaven today on Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed reminds us it's a place. To be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. Not your body you're going to die and your body's going to stay here. But your soul and your spirit will go to heaven to be absent from the body. If you were to die today and they put your body up in Hillside Cemetery, you wouldn't be there. Your soul and your spirit would be in heaven. Someday, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to kind of do a I hate to say this, but it's a recycling thing. I don't know why he wants our old bodies back. I think it's because he doesn't want Satan to have any victories at all. He's going to bring them all together. It's like you know, going taking down all your aluminum cans and plastic bottles and stuff. And for God, there's a, a California added value to your body. So he's going to pick them all up. And if I go and prepare a place, he said, then I will come back. Come back. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, people who have already died whose bodies are in the ground or in the ocean or wherever else will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. The, the word caught up in Latin is rapture, where we get the word to be raptured. To meet the Lord in the air, and we shall always be with the Lord. So if you die today, your body, whatever, you know, some people prefer to get cremated, whatever. Doesn't matter. You can shake and bake or you can bury. It doesn't, you know, God doesn't care. He's God. He gets to put stuff back together. No problem. But he's going to come back and put it all together. 
and take us all to heaven. So I will come again. He's not leaving us in the hole, in the ground. Our bodies, because our spirit and our soul are already with him in heaven. And where I go. Okay, so that's a place, right? It's a physical place. Heaven is a place God has prepared for you. Secondly, heaven is a path, verse 4, 5, and 6. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Because I've been living with you for three and a half years. He's talking to his disciples. And you've seen me every day. The where and the how, you understand. But Thomas, I love Thomas. Because Thomas is a doubting Thomas, we call him, right? He's the skeptic. He doesn't believe anything. He's one of those guys where I got to see it, right? And so Downing Thomas is the skeptic who always seems to be asking or, or raising a doubt. If they could have done MRIs on your brain or a CAT scan on, your, on the brain of Thomas, when they pulled up the film, it would have a big question mark on it. Questions everything, okay? And I know some people like that, okay? So after the resurrection... He heard, Thomas heard, that Jesus was alive. The Mary said, yeah, yeah, we saw him. John and Peter said, yeah, we went to the grave and it was empty. And Thomas said, John 20, verse 25, unless I see his hands with the imprint of the nails and my, put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. So, not long, long after that, the next night, we believe, they're in a room again. The doors are locked, the windows are locked, and Jesus, poof, shows up. That new super sport body that you get, too. And so he just shows up, and he says, Thomas, come here. Thomas is looking down. He says, I believe, Lord, I believe. No, no, Thomas, you said you have to touch. Come here, touchy, touchy puts his hand in his side, and he says, my Lord and my God. And he hits his knees. He got it. Voila, finally, Eureka. This is God, and he is my Lord. Yay, Thomas. He believed. Then Jesus said something interesting. Because you have seen me, have you believed, Thomas? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. That's you. That's me. I've never seen Jesus alive, risen from the dead, but I believe. You are here because you believe or you're trying to find that out. Why is it more blessed to believe when you haven't seen? Because you're not relying just on your five senses. You're saying, I choose to believe. I choose to have faith. I believe that Jesus died for me on a cross so that I might spend eternity with him. He paid the price that I couldn't pay. So Jesus said to him, I am the way. Thomas said, ah, well, we don't know where you're going or, or how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the path. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Now, this is the seventh I am statement that Jesus has made in the Gospel of John. He said, I am bread, I am light, I am the door, I am the shepherd, I am resurrection, I am life. Now he said, I am the way. So Jesus is saying that he is the way to heaven. Now, most people don't have any trouble with the first half of this verse. It's the second half. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, Pastor, that sounds so exclusive. It sounds so dogmatic. It is. And because he's God, he gets to make the rules. That's the way to heaven, through him. Well, we are used to things that are dogmatic in our life. We may not like them, but they're true. I remember when I was a little boy, I had a lot of questions about mathematics. My mom, very smart lady, and so she was really my first math teacher. And I said, so mom, one plus one is two, right? Yes, Eddie. Well, two plus two is four. Always? She said, always. She said, well, what if I don't agree? She said, it doesn't matter whether you agree or not. Two plus two is always four. What about apples? Two plus two apples is four apples. Well, what about bananas? I was just that kind of kid, okay. And she said, four bananas. What about elephants? What about pink elephants? What about pink elephants with wings? Is it still four? Still four. Wow, that's kind of dogmatic. Yep, God built the earth that way. And you know what? She was right. Later, went on to university and took my first computer science class and didn't learn how to program, right? So I wrote all these programs and, and the professor said, you know, computers are really stupid. He said, they don't do what you want them to do. They do what you told them to do. Uh-oh. <laughs> so if I write a program that's got a mistake in it, the computer will just completely do the same mistake over and over again. He said, until it runs out of electricity. That's pretty dogmatic. Yeah, it is. It's real dogmatic. Went over to the chemistry department, and there the professor said, you add sodium to chloride in the atmosphere, it'll explode. I don't think so. He said, it will every time. And so we tried it in the back of the lab. Almost blew out the entire back window of the University of Redlands Chemistry Lab. You know what? He was right. Sodium plus chloride in the atmosphere always explodes. And I've always liked explosions since then. I thought it was really pretty cool. But my point is, God is dogmatic. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Jesus is the way, and his way is towards the cross. So he said, I'm the way, I'm the pathway, but he's going to run up against death, and he's going to die. 
And so does that mean, Pastor, that I'm going to die? Yep, pretty dogmatic, going to happen. Well, is it going to hurt? Well, yeah. <laughs> He's going to ask you to give up your life. Well, I don't want to give it up. Of course you don't. None of us do. We're all selfish. We love ourselves. We don't want to get hurt. Is it going to hurt? It's like what the surgeon says. This is going to hurt just a little. He lies, all of them. So you're going to die by following the way. I no longer live my life, Paul said. I die daily. I give up my rights for the right of Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. Not you have a truth and I have a truth. And they have a truth over there in China. And there's a different truth in France. No, no, no. There's one truth. There's absolute truth. And God is dogmatic about absolute truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Life? Well, he died. <laughs> no, he got up again. And he's alive right now. Just to prove to you that when you die, you're going to raise up too. Because he's going to do a miracle in you just like he did in himself. Well, but I don't like it. The way he set it up. Here we are, folks. You decide whether you're going to surrender to him or not. Now, he's heaven is a place, heaven is a path, and finally, heaven is a person. If you had known me, Jesus speaking, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus was such a perfect reflection of Father God that all you have to do is look at him, and now you know what God looks like. This is Grow in Grace, and we're deriving great encouragement from the words of Jesus in John 14. Here's Pastor Ed Ray with more, picking up in verse 8. Now, Philip is almost as much fun as Thomas. He asked the questions that you would have and I probably would have. He said, Lord, verse 8, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Now, Thomas was a skeptic. But Philip is a materialist. He, he's a, a realist. Five senses. He's like, I want to be able to feel it. I want to be able to touch it. I want to be able to smell it. I want to be able to see it with my eyes. I want to hear it. And then I'll believe. Practical. I want to see it. Now, Philip was a good disciple. He was the one who brought, we saw in John chapter 12, when the Greeks came looking for Jesus, they said, sir, we would see Jesus. He said, come on, I'll show you him. He's into seeing. I can do that. Little boy shows up with fish and some bread at the feeding of the 5,000. And the kid comes to Philip. Philip says, come here, I'll take you to Jesus. This kid has something physical. I don't know if you can do anything with it, he says to God. I don't know if there's anything that can be done with this, but there's all these people here. So he's into practical things, right? Things that you can touch. And he's he thinks if you can see it, it's real. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, have you been so long with me and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Now, I personally love this verse. Those of you that have been in the church for a while, you might have remembered a guy named Phil, Philip, who came to church here. 
Philip Anderson, okay? And he was an old guy around here for many years. And he finally died at 96 years old. I loved him, hilarious old guy. And Philip Anderson was a retired surgeon, brilliant guy, had a patent on a, a compound you would know, everybody knows the name in America. And he worked for the Mayo Clinic, the most prestigious clinic in the world. And he was at church one day, visiting the church in Rochester, New York, where the Mayo Clinic is. And he saw a beautiful young lady there. And he decided he wanted her to be his wife. And so he sat at the end, and the next Sunday he moved over, and then he moved over and moved over until finally she was sitting right next to him. He got in there before she got there because she always sat in the same seat. And she said, oh, you're a Christian? He said, oh, yes, I am. He was lying through his teeth, okay? Like about half of you in here this morning. I'm teasing you, it's just a joke, okay? And she says, well, that's wonderful. So they went to church several weeks in row, and he's trying to get her to go. She wouldn't go on a date with him. And finally, he would eventually marry her. So when he came out here with her as his wife, he was here in the church here for 16 years. And I loved him because he always wanted to go on hospital visitations with me. And he called me and said, Neil, are you going to the hospital today? And I said, yeah, I am. I'll come get you. He said, no, 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 I'll drive down there. Now, at 80 years old, he lost his vision for driving but he didn't know it. And he kept right on driving until he was 96. And so I'd call him and say, hey, Phil, I gotta go to the hospital today. You wanna go with me to Redlands Community? And I'll come and get you. He said, no, 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 I'll come down there. I go, oh my goodness. And so he always came down at noon, high noon. I didn't find out till after he died that it was because he couldn't see anything when it was earlier in the day or late. Gotta have the most amount of sunlight available, right? So he'd pull up in front and I'd say, come on, get in my truck. And he'd say, no, 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 I wanna drive. I go, Jesus, sweet Jesus. But it helped my prayer life. I became a prayer warrior driving from here to the hospital. Because he had a big old Buick, probably weighed 6,000 pounds, drove like crazy, pedaled to the metal, blowing stoplights, but he was fine. He couldn't see any of them. And God gave him grace. He survived that whole time. So he's in the East Coast at the Mayo Clinic. He's in this church with, trying to get this girl to pay attention to him, and she's ignoring him. And, and the pastor, he said, chose this verse, verse 9. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip, right? And they're sitting like about four or five rows back. And he said the pastor chose that verse. Didn't say anything about the verses before it or the verses after it. And he kept saying it over and over again. He said he probably said it a hundred times during the sermon. Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He said every time the pastor said Philip, he went, <coughs> he said, it's like he put his finger in his chest. And finally, he was squirming in the sea. He said he felt like he was pinned to the chair. And at the end of the sermon, the pastor said, if you need to know Jesus coming up. And he got out of his seat and he ran. And I said, I'm Philip, I'm the guy. And he got radically saved. He moved here with his wife, and they were here for a long time. But this verse is his whole life. Now, notice in that verse that you have free will. I have free will. We've been made in the image of God. We have something called volition. We can choose to do things or not. Now, God's will, he said, I would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance, but it requires a choice on our part. 
So all the time I've been a Christian, I've been looking for an explanation of that in a way that anyone would grasp. So I have a football story for you. If you're not into football, I apologize. Not the little round one, but the long pointy one, okay? There's this championship game, college championship game, and the home team is backed up against their own goal. And they try to get out and they can't, try three times, and finally the quarterback gets clobbered. And uh, they have to carry him off the field. And he gets over and he says, Coach, you can't do it. He said, okay, put him on the bench. And he looks over at the bench and he said, where's the backup quarterback? And the guy was so sick he didn't even suit up. He wasn't even on the bench. And he looked again. There's one little skinny kid down at the end. He's the freshman quarterback. He actually has never played in a game before. He's the punter. You know, you kick at the field goal, etc." So he says, Smith, come on up here. Kid runs up, yes, sir. He said, I want you to go in, and I want you to give the football to the fullback and let him get you back away from the goal so we can do something. He said, I want you to do that twice. And then after you get back away from the goal, on the third time, I want you to kick the football out of the stadium. He said, yes, sir. And he runs in, and he takes it, and he gives the play. He says, the fullback's name is Jones. So he says, uh, Jones, you get the ball. One, two, three, hike. And he hands it to Jones. But Jones breaks through the line. And he goes 50 yards before the safety catches him, the last guy. And they were astounded they got that far. So they line up again. He says, Jones, it's to you. And he hands that off again. And the fullback runs all the way, gets tackled right at the goal. And then they line him, he says, okay, ball to me. And he gets the ball and he kicks it out of the stadium. <laughs> and he's so happy, he did what the coach told him to do. And so he runs back to the coach. He says, I do, coach. Coach grabbed him by the pads. He said, kid, what were you thinking when you kicked the ball out of the stadium? He said, well, honestly, coach, I thought I had the dumbest coach in the whole world. <laughs> The gospel is the football. You are the freshman quarterback. God hands you the ball. Well, he said, do it this way. Well, I can't because there's, I can't get to Africa. Forget about the people in Africa. What are you doing with the gospel? What about the headhunters in Irangira? Don't worry about the headhunters. That's not your job. You take the ball and do what God wants you to do with it. Now, heaven has a lot of lies being told about it. Well, everybody gets to go to heaven. No. Well, if you're good enough, you'll go to heaven. No. Only 144,000 will go to heaven. No. Well, if I go to purgatory, then grandma can pray me out of it. No. Your only hope my only hope is God's grace. God, forgive my sins. Take my life. I will serve you. We're going through the Gospel of John with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace, and it's just a part of our Through the Bible study. If you'd like the CD, which contains the complete and uninterrupted message, call us today at 844 844- 
844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. And again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We're thankful to the Lord for this opportunity to share His Word over the radio, and maybe this is a ministry you'd like to support. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you, and we'll say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to his immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace. Just call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And if you wouldn't mind in the next day or two, send off an email to let us know you're listening and what you're getting out of the present series in John. It's encouraging to hear how God is at work through Grow in Grace. Let us know what the Lord is doing in your life when you email us at packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us back here next time as we return to our study of the Gospel of John. This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, a presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone.